My name is Carl Carafel, and this is Turnbuckle Talk. The best way for you to interact with us on the show here is to make sure that you are here live with us every Tuesday here on twitch.tv slash lovewrestlingca. Thank you so much to everybody who has joined today and who will be joining and who is listening to this afterwards or listening to this on podcast form or checking this out over on Turnbuckle Studios YouTube page. I thank you and appreciate you. This has been a pretty ruckus week when it comes to professional wrestling. There has been lots that has happened and lots that has gone on. And we're talking forbidden doors being opened. And that's what we're going to start out with today. We're going to talk about that pay-per-view that happened put on by All Elite Wrestling and the Tony Khan man. And in the chat, we have got Joe, Corporate Joe coming in saying, Howdy, good to see you, my friend. Thank you for coming by. I really do appreciate it. Anytime that you guys are with me here live and you put a comment in here, I will do my best to make sure that as long as it is relevant to the topic, that I put it up on screen and shout you out. So thank you very much for that. This pay-per-view has had a lot of mixed reactions, I guess you could say. Even the build-up to it. So people were talking about how there really wasn't that great of a build-up to this show. I think we can agree to disagree on that if that's how you feel i felt that they built this not perfectly but they built it well as long as you're watching aew programming to be able to catch the extra little things that happened whether it was uh you know uh somebody coming out and uh, making an appearance on the go home show whatever it was There was a little bit of something that kind of built and played into everything. So people were were very much so, um, how do I say this? They were kind of put off by the card itself on paper. Some people were saying, uh, this doesn't interest me anymore. I'm not uh, buying this. I'm not doing, I'm not watching it. I'm not, you know. I think that the majority of those people tuned in anyways. And I only say that because preliminary reports coming out right now are talking about 5 million in pay-per-view that was done. I don't know if that number is true right now, but that's kind of what I'm seeing and what's been put out there. We will definitely find out though. And hopefully for next week's show, I can have an actual number for pay-per-view buy rates and and uh, how much and stuff like that for you. But I was I was okay with this show, Joe. Oh, geez, Joe saying that he is at home in isolation, unfortunately, but he is here with us today. Well, we wish you all the best here. Uh, you have always been a pivotal part of this program, so get get well soon, brother. Astrid hopping in here saying, Carl with a wave. How you doing, Astrid? 
thank you for coming in that we're talking this pay-per-view that just happened forbidden door so we start the show out with as they always do a buy-in and before we get to the buy-in we need to make sure that we are shouting out jpj who says hey 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 uh, i love you man thank you so much for coming by I want you guys, whoever is here, whoever is listening, or even if you're you're listening or watching this afterwards, leave your comments down below. What did you think of this pay-per-view? I very much so enjoyed it. I'd come home from work and I had to uh, and I started watching it. Uh, I didn't catch the buy-in, but I did catch from the actual show. And I stayed up through the entire show, even though I had to get up for work again at five 30 in the morning, I stayed up for this entire show. I didn't, I did. There wasn't a point where I had said, okay, I'll just catch up on this later. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. No, for once during a pay-per-view or premiere live event, how, whatever you want to say, I know that AEW doesn't use that wording, but I'm talking Big shows in general. This one kept me invested in it the entire time. Astrid saying that she thought it was better. Better, better than I thought it would be is what she says. See, that I, again, again, this is coming back to uh, a lot of people, a lot of the internet wrestling community were saying, this doesn't look very good. I'm not happy with this. I don't know if I'm going to buy this. I don't know if I'm even going to watch this. But again, I think the majority of the people actually did. So that's a good thing. Joe saying, I'm surprised people were expecting it to not be good. And I, okay. So I, I think, I, I think part of the problem with that is that a, a lot of the um, Western countries and a lot of the North American professional wrestling community that watches programming really doesn't know or understand a lot about new Japan or even who a majority of these stars even would have been. So I think that that is uh, really plays a factor into why they were saying that they didn't expect this to be good. Right off the bat during the buy-in, we had a tag team match. I can't speak too much to this because, again, I haven't seen this yet. But we had uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi defeating the factory Aaron Solo and QT Marshall by pinfall. So right off the bat, very, very cool to see that even in the buy-in that they were they, that they put over new japan now that isn't a running theme throughout this uh th this this pay-per-view that happened it definitely is not but they i think that they really did do uh justice overall and really it, this was a win-win for both companies astrid said i thought since i didn't have knowledge of the new japan roster and stories then i wouldn't enjoy it see that's that's exactly what I had just said. Like that's yeah, definitely. And I think that that was that that was the, uh, the running, um, mentality of a lot of people is that because they're not familiar with it, they didn't think that they were going to like it. So I hope that those people who thought that way 
just as Astrid did, watched the pay-per-view anyways to get a better understanding of the New Japan professional wrestling, the culture that they brought over with them, the style of wrestling that they bring over with them, and just overall how great New Japan actually is. Second matchup in the buy-in had Lance Archer defeated uh, Nick Camarado by pinfall in a singles matchup. Both of those matchups were relatively quick, both of them under 10 minutes time. We start the show off here with, uh, what do we see here? Yes, uh, Swerve in Our Glory being Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland defeating Suzuki Gun, which was El Desperado and Kanemura by pinfall. And that, that was a 12-minute, five-second matchup, which was uh, really good. I, I did enjoy that matchup. Um, very cool to see that. It was it was really nice. I did see that one. So I guess I, I, I saw the, the, the last two on the buy-in or the pre-show matches. Joe, what's Joe got here? Joe says people need to start giving New Japan a chance. They kick ass over there. They, they, they definitely do. And I mean, when you have one of your stars who is a professional wrestler carrying the Olympic torch, that says something pretty big. Pretty big. When you have a professional wrestling star who has such notoriety carry the olympic torch hashtag give new japan a chance yeah i i agree with that i think a lot of people need to they're missing out on some really good shit as vince mcmahon would say the next preliminary match or the next buy-in matchup um was an eight-man tag team match that okay they all got their spots in cool Awesome. I get it. So it was Max Caster and the Gun Club consisting of Billy Gunn, Austin Gunn, and Colton Gunn, or the Ass Boys, however you want to refer to them as, uh, defeating uh, Yumura and New Japan LA Dojo stars, or up-and-comers, I guess, um, Alex Coughlin, the DKC, and Kevin night so something that's interesting about this is i don't know if if people are aware of this but from um the new japan the the, the dojos the, like the la dojo the, that's their training grounds is what it is so uh you could really see a little bit of kind of maybe confusion from the uh, commentator team because they were all wearing the same thing black trunks black boots that's what you get in training when you're with New Japan. Until you get brought up to a main roster or until you graduate, then you get your character. Then you get your gimmick and then you get to build that from there after you have learned the art of professional wrestling. Joe's saying uh, guys like Okada and Tanahashi are almost worshipped over there, and I'm not even exaggerating. He's not exaggerating. They they definitely are. They they are they are put up on a uh, on a higher pedestal. They definitely are. So it's it's very interesting 
the differences between Western and Eastern when it comes to professional wrestling. We get into the main show here, a 19-minute matchup, a six-man tag team matchup. We had Minoru Suzuki, Murder Grandpa, with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, defeating Eddie Kingston, uh, Shota Umino, and Wheeler Yuta by pinfall. It was a good matchup. It wasn't the greatest, but it was a good good way to get the crowd kind of going and get everybody kind of invested into and start out the pay-per-view. It was it was good. So the winning team actually received the man advantage for a match that's going to be happening at Blood and Guts. Okay, cool. We had a three-way winner-takes-all tag team matchup for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships and the IWGP for the International Wrestling Grand Prix Tag Team Championships. So now that might confuse a little bit. Um, in New Japan Pro Wrestling has their titles and, and, and calls them the IWGP Championships, the International Wrestling Grand Prix Championships. So that's that's what that means. They're still a New Japan Pro Wrestling Championship, they're just named something a little bit different. 16 minutes, 25 seconds. We had winner takes all. The competitors in this was Rapongi Vice, consisting of Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta, taking on the United Empire, which was Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb, taking on FTR, Cash Wheeler and Uncle Dax Harwood. And we actually had FTR win this matchup, so they now hold the ROH Championships, the IWGP Tag Team Championships, and I do believe still the AAA Tag Team Championships from down in Mexico. Very cool for them. Then one of the better matches of the night, in my opinion, 15 minutes, five seconds, a four-way match for the inaugural AEW All-Atlantic Championship. We had Clark Connors from New Japan taking on Miro, Pac, and Malachi Black. This one here, oh, Joe saying, yeah, I agree with this. And FTR are simply incredible. Love those guys. And Astrid just saying FTR, FTR. Very, very cool. FTR is, is amazing. They definitely are. This matchup here, the four-way for the All-Atlantic Championship did not go how I figured it would have. Now, yes, people people like Malachi Black. He's He definitely has a following. He didn't win. I doubted that Clark Connors would have won. He didn't win. So that leaves two competitors. That leaves Pac and Miro. Miro, for those of you who don't know, is formerly Rusev from the WWE. Now, that guy is over with the crowd, with the fans, with the people. They 
absolutely freaking love him. The chants for Miro were so loud that at times I couldn't hear commentary over the chants of the crowd. So guess who won the match? No, it was not Miro. It was Pac. A very strange turn of events in this, but I do hope that maybe this is setting things up for a Pac-Miro feud. Because that would be absolutely fantastic. Astrid saying that she's happy that Pac won. Lots of people definitely are. I mean, I'm okay with Pac winning that. I definitely am. I would have been okay, honestly, with any of those four people winning and becoming the the first ever AEW All-Atlantic champion. I definitely would have. Joe saying Miro versus Pac, that's what they should build towards. Yes, I fully agree with that. They definitely need to. And I'm sure that that's what we're going to get and we're going to see. And I am okay with that. <laughs> we had the dudes with attitudes. No, we're not talking Shawn Michaels and Diesel. We are talking Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo Takagi taking on the Bullet Club for one night only. Having El Fantasmo with Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. Interestingly enough, they had Hikaleo out at ringside with them. So I don't know why Hikaleo couldn't have been used as he is actually part of the Bullet Club, just like El Fantasmo. But I digress. This matchup here started out hot and freaking heavy. Oh, my God. And Joe says, talking about uh, Miro and Pac, he says, that would be shmoney, LOL. And I think that's what the kids say these days, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. If it's if it's uh, Carmella, maybe. Maybe she's, uh, you know, shmoney. I don't know. Mella, Mella is shmoney. We're going to get to that soon, too. Don't you worry. The dudes with attitudes really starting out here. So we we actually had Darby come down to the ring. We had Shingo come down to the ring. We had Sting's music play, and Sting doesn't show up. So, of course, we're thinking uh, Sting got beat up in the back. They're going to have a replacement. Who's this going to be? Well... Instead, we then had Bullet Club come out. And then we're standing there going, what the hell is happening? Like, where is Sting? They haven't gone and like done a, a backstage segment to see him, to see what's going on. Nothing, nothing yet. Darkness. And then a spotlight up in the rafters. And there is a silhouette of Sting. Holy shit. What is going to happen here? Is Sting going to come down from the rafters? 
is Sting gonna 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 fly down? Is he is he gonna be on a cable? Is he gonna is he gonna be coming down into the ring to start out this matchup? What's gonna happen? Lights go out. Holy shit balls! What's happening here? Lights come back on, and the camera is now pointed on the Bullet Club standing up on the stage area. And out of the top of the screen, we see a flying sting off of the Tron that they had there, off of the big, big setup that they had. Holy crap. Joe, yes, they did. I do remember hearing, I can't remember if they used it. I think they did. Joe asking, did they use the Bullet Club music? At some point during the night, yes, I remember hearing the Bullet Club music. So... Somehow, some way, some form, some matchup. Yes, <laughs> the Bullet Club music was actually used, and that definitely, it definitely is. I was happy with that. So, uh, interesting way for this matchup to start: Sting flying through the air, knocking over the three guys within the Bullet Club. The match happens. It's a matchup. It was good for what it is, and we had Darby Allen, Sting, and Shingo Takagi winning by defeating the Bullet Club. All right. 9.30 comes around. Hey, Astrid, what happens at 9.30 with All Elite Wrestling? I'm going to take a drink here for a moment of my non-sponsored Dr. Pepper. rolls around. And just as Astrid tweeted out, even on a pay-per-view, the women go on at 9.30. I saw that tweet, Astrid. So, yes, we had the only women's match of the night happen. Singles matchup for the AEW <laughs> uh Joe. Uh I'll get to that in a second. For the AEW Women's World Championship, Thunder Rosa taking on Tony Storm. This was an excellent matchup. I was very happy with this matchup. I am a Tony Storm fan. Did we see title change hands? <laughs> no, we didn't. Thunder Rosa is still your. AEW Women's World Champion. Joe is asking, is that Stone Cold Pepper? Yes, it is. Show you on screen right there. My youngest child of 17 years old got me a Stone Cold Steve Austin mug for my non-sponsored Dr. Pepper for Father's Day. And I love this cup. This is freaking amazing. I love it. Oh, my goodness. And Dr. Pepper just tastes even better coming from a stone cold mug. The 10th match of the night. Yes, 10th match of the night. We had a singles match for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. We had Orange Cassidy taking on Will Ospreay. 
Now, this matchup here, a lot of people as well were very much so on the fence. And there were lots of people that were very polarized with this matchup as well. We all know that Orange Cassidy has a little bit of a different shtick to him. He moves a little bit differently inside of the ring. He sometimes works a little slower. All part of his character, just this, this guy who's wearing jeans and a jean jacket who just doesn't give a shit. Hands in his pocket, just very melodramatic. And then you get somebody like Will Ospreay, who is more high strung and very much so a let's get the shit done and go. Let's go. Uh, Joe saying both top notch guys. Osprey is pro wrestling's best kept secrets. He is so good. Uh, yeah, he definitely is both. You know what? In the beginning, I was not a fan of Orange Cassidy at all. I wasn't. I, I will be 100% open and honest with that. I was not a fan of Orange Cassidy. But then after seeing him actually work inside of the ring, actually put on a match, not just entirely the whole shtick that he plays, not the whole gimmick and character, but really go out there and, and work. I found a new respect for Orange Cassidy and I've become a fan. Kind of. I'm still I'm still on the fence with Orange Cassidy, but I like seeing him actually work. Joe says that he was an Orange Cassidy fan back when it wasn't cool to be one. And I think a lot of people actually were. Both of these guys absolutely fantastic at what they do when they're wrestling, and that's what we got. We got a great wrestling match out of these guys. Will Ospreay, the champion, defeated Orange Cassidy to retain the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Now, we didn't get to see the actual championship, though, on the show. Because apparently, Juice Robinson still has not sent the belt back. So Juice Robinson had been over in America and couldn't make it to Japan to defend the championship. So essentially, he was stripped of the championship or had to relinquish the championship. Then over in Japan, they had a good little tournament to find a new winner and a new title holder, which ended up being Will Ospreay. Still doesn't have a championship, though. Next matchup, 18 minutes and 30 seconds. We had Zack Sabre Jr. taking on, we don't know. But we do know now. By God, Claudio Castanoli. Or for those who might not know that name, we're talking Cesaro from the WWE made his AEW debut. The crowd popped and by, I don't know, it was, it was just so nice to see. The fans went absolutely nuts. They went crazy 
So the camera was actually in the ring, on the ring, kind of showing the crowd a little bit as well. We didn't get to see anything that showed up on on the uh, the big uh, screen at all. We saw a fan reaction, which I was okay with. We had no clue who this was. We heard some music play. The fans got to see whatever graphic came up onto the screen, and they went berserk. And so I'm sitting there at the edge of my seat going, what is going on? And then they pan over and show it. Blown away. Joe. Joe is saying that I have to watch this match that sounds like a banger. It definitely was. Um, it Yeah. 100% it definitely was. Go and check that matchup out. Go and check out what I think was the best matchup of the night as well. And yes, yes, I am saying this. I believe the best matchup of the night was the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match. Will Ospreay, Orange Cassidy. Clip that if you have to. Great match. Great debut for Claudio. Everything was just fantastic with this. Next up after that, the 12th match of the night. We had a four-way match for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. We had the leader of the Bullet Club, Jay White, the champion, taking on Hangman Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole, baby. What a fantastic match this was as well. I I am sometimes not a fan of four, five, six-way matches because they can turn into a real cluster F. This, I, I didn't feel like this one did. This one flowed really nicely for me, and I was very, very happy with it. Go and check that out. Final match of the night. 13th matchup, a singles match for the interim AEW World Championship. 18 minutes, 20 seconds. We had John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. The only... Okay. I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some heat for this, but I don't I don't give a shit. The only thing that took away from this matchup for me was Moxley blading. I don't think it was needed. I don't think that we really needed to see John Moxley get busted open and wear a crimson mask of blood on his face. I don't know. It just wasn't. I don't think that it was needed. Joe hopping in here talking about uh, the last matchup uh, before this one saying Okada is likely the best pro wrestler on the planet. If you haven't seen his matches, you need to. I agree with that. You definitely need to. The final matchup for the interim AEW World Championship was great. These two competitors really gave absolutely everything that they had and left it inside of that ring. And I was happy with that. 
like I said, the only thing I wasn't happy about was the blood. Because in most cases, I, I would be okay with it. I just don't think that this matchup needed it. There you have it. That was in uh, 30 minutes, half an hour, we talked about that pay-per-view Forbidden Door. There's already talks of a Forbidden Door 2 that could be happening. And even the New Japan Pro Wrestling president has kind of put it out there that he would like to see it in Japan. I think that would be really cool as well. We're a little over halfway through this program, and we are going to make sure that we take a little bit of a break to talk about our sponsors. I'm going to first tell you about our friend Rich King over at RK Athletics, rkathletics.ca. Go and check that out if you're looking for personal training in your fitness routine. If you are in the Edmonton, Alberta area, you can go to the website, find where they are, and simply go to the gym and the studio and see what they have to offer for you. If you are not in the Edmonton, Alberta area, go and check out the website anyways, because they do offer some programs that you can do remotely where you are. So that is very cool. Go and check that out. Joe saying that they should do the second one at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, Forbidden Door 2. Um, I think the Tokyo Dome, definitely, yes, 100%. And it would sell out in seconds. Guaranteed, it would sell out in seconds. So thank you very much, everybody. We are going to be right back in just a few moments because, like I said, we have to make sure that we are talking about our sponsors and getting them in here because without them, we really wouldn't continue because they help pay the bills. So here we go. Support for Turnbuckle Talk as heard on Love Wrestling is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world? Manscaped. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code LOVEWRESTLING at manscaped.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling, a love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand, the wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connect emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. 
the official Turnbuckle Studio shop is open. Official merchandise from all the favorite shows, plus merchandise you can only find here. Stuff from Turnbuckle Studios. Carl Carafel unboxes. The Boar's Nest with Bubba Duke. Miscellaneous products that you can only find here. Beats and Beatdowns. And Turnbuckle Talk. Find all this merchandise exclusively at carlcarafel.redbubble.com. And there you have it. The promotional ads put out there. And we are now able to continue on with the rest of this show. Again, thank you so much to all of our sponsors. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to continue doing what we're doing. And I'm so happy to have all of you on board with us here, not only at Love Wrestling, but also with Turnbuckle Talk. Thank you very much for that. For those of you that didn't get to see it, when you're at collarandelbowbrand.com, use the promo code JKPODCAST, and you're going to get yourself 10% off your entire purchase over there. They have some great merchandise over there. I have been with them since 2018. They have done great for us with Turnbuckle Talk. We have done great for them, I hope. And they have now revamped their clothes that they have over there. They have added new things over there, and they even have some amazing deals that go on. So make sure you're following them to make sure that you catch those deals because you can even use the promo code during those sales as well. We're going to hop in here and talk about another pay-per-view. We just talked about the amazing pay-per-view that was AEW Forbidden Door. What was it? I, I need to take a look here again for it. 13? Was there 13? Scroll. 13 matches were on this card. And I stayed up for the entire thing. I am wondering if I'm going to be able to do the same come July 2nd. July 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time or 7 p.m. Eastern for a kickoff show at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. We are going to have WWE Money in the Bank. 2022. I'm going to go through the card here. We have one, two, three, four, five, six matches on this card. So I'm expecting this to be maybe around the two hour, 45 minute mark as per usual for a WWE premiere live event. We have the men's money in the bank ladder match. We have Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus versus Omos versus Sami Zayn versus Riddle versus we don't know yet. 
Apparently, there is going to be a surprise entrant into the Money in the Bank that we have no clue about yet. Now, we still have one more televised program to happen before this event in SmackDown. So we may find out on SmackDown. Joe says, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think WWE have ever been at the MGM in Vegas. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. Um, They might have been. I don't know. I don't know. that. I'm going to have to look into that. Pluggo coming in here. Thank you so much, buddy. I love you. He writes, the goat, Carl. Wow. I'm almost there. Almost there. I'm I'm not I'm not totally the goat yet, but I'm sure in time I can be. So this men's money in the bank ladder match is going to be good, I think, with the names that they have here, Seth, Drew, Sheamus. You know, kind of kind of constant names that people uh, that watch the WWE know, even those that that maybe have fallen away from the company for a little bit. No, Sami Zayn, another one of those names that uh, a lot of people will know. Now, Riddle is a name that people may not be too familiar with, as well as Omos or Omos or Omos or however you want to pronounce it. I don't give a shit. Just pronounce it somehow. Um. I'm looking forward to this matchup, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I'm really hoping, really hoping that we see Drew or Riddle win the Money in the Bank. But I have a feeling it's going to be Seth Rollins. So I'm going to have to watch <laughs> just so that I can see how good this matchup is and who wins. So I'm going to leave for the last to talk about here uh, what I think is going to be the best matchup on the card. So we're going to skip down. We're going to go to the United States Championship matchup. We have Theory, the champion, taking on Bobby Lashley. I think we're seeing a title change happen unless Theory has a friend that maybe causes distractions to pick up the win. I don't know, but I, I have a feeling that Bobby Lashley is going to be the winner in this matchup. Another match that should be actually really good. We're taking a look at the Usos taking on the Street Profits. They want the smoke, but I don't think they're going to get the championships in this match. I think the Usos are going to continue to hold those championships for at least another six months, I would say. Who takes it off them? Probably the Street Profits. But we need to build this just a little bit more, in my opinion. SmackDown Women's Championship. I know there's a few people who were excited for this only because of the challenger, Natalia, taking on Ronda. Rousey. Yay, Ronda's the champ again. Um, I don't care. It's sad to say, but for this matchup, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not, and I haven't been a fan of Ronda Rousey. Uh, so 
it just it it takes away from it for me because I'm not a fan. Um, Joe says, uh, I'll put the comment up here on screen. Boo, Rhonda, boo. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel as well, right? I just, I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I definitely will. But I'm just not a fan of Ronda Rousey. So I'm hoping that maybe something happens that uh, allows me to enjoy this match a little bit more. We have another women's matchup, the Raw Women's Championship. We have, um, yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe's got the, the, the right uh, words here. She doesn't even seem interested in even being there. Um, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I may have a problem and an issue with it is because, yeah, it's true. That's, that's kind of how she is perceived. That's the aura that she gives is that she just doesn't give a shit and doesn't want to be there. So I don't know this other women's matchup though, I think is going to be absolutely fantastic. Although she does get under my skin and sometimes I want to poke out my eardrums with a rusty knife or spoon while she's talking, but we are going to have Carmella. That's right. Mella is money taking on Bianca Bel Air for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm okay with this and I'm excited about this. Bianca Belair is a fantastic star. So I'm okay with this. Another women's matchup that is happening on this card. Yes, they have things pretty evenly set here right now. The men's money in the bank ladder match. The tag teams, the United States Championship, all men's matchups. Then you've got the SmackDown Championship, the Raw Women's Championship, and the Women's Money in the Bank matchup. This year, for me, I think is going to be the match of the evening. We have got Lacey Evans versus Shotzi versus Asuka versus Raquel Rodriguez versus... Liv Morgan versus Alexa Bliss and versus Becky Lynch. Holy shit. Do I see Asuka taking this? No. Shotzi? I think it'd be cool, but no. Lacey Evans? Unfortunately not. They had her off TV for too long. People need to get reacquainted with Lacey Evans first. Raquel Rodriguez, no. But one of these three women, definitely yes. I can see it going the way of Becky Lynch because she is one of the staples. I don't know if if you want to call her that. She she she's one of those top names that seems to always be uh on TV or within title pictures or having a championship. She's one of those names. Joe says Becky needs Becky needs LA to pick a look and go with it and stop playing cosplayer. Oh, Becky needs to pick a look and go with it. Okay, I got you. I got you. She needs to stop playing cosplayer. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with her doing that, though. Like, 
I think it's I think it's really neat to see the different outfits and different costumes that she can come up with. Um, I'm I'm kind of okay with it. It doesn't bother me. So then we have Alexa Bliss. Now Alexa Bliss just recently returned to television. People already know who she is. She stayed relevant throughout any time that she was away after everything that she had done with Bray Wyatt. They've kind of repackaged her again, but not repackaged her. They just kind of brought her back to being Alexa Bliss, but still holding on to Lily because Lily, the the like voodoo doll that she has and that she carries with her, has gotten over with the fans enormously. So good on them for having her keep that. I can see Alexa Bliss grabbing that briefcase. But then you've got the new hot act on the scene, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan has been doing amazing things right now when it comes to her time in professional wrestling. And I think it's time for Liv Morgan to get her full glory. I want to see Liv Morgan win this and go on and win whichever championship she decides to go after and have a good, solid run as a women's champion inside the WWE. Joe says, as an old school fan, it comes off to me as though they don't have a direction with her when her look keeps changing. But hey, that's just me. I kind of get what you're saying there. I do. I think that uh, I think that this is really just kind of a like she she's changing kind of her look. Like she's changing the sunglasses all the time. You know, wearing different things like that. But they all kind of maybe work a little bit with the character. Um, yeah, I see. I see what you're saying when you're talking about you know the old school fan in you. Uh, I, I get the same thing. The old school fan in me would rather like, like you had the big boss man. He wore the same thing all the time while he was with the WWE. He goes to WCW. He comes uh, big Bubba Rogers. His look changes a little bit. Right. So then, you know, that it's still the same person, but just a di- little bit of a different look. Uh, but it wasn't a, an every week type of situation change. Right. Money in the bank doesn't, doesn't look too, too bad. To be honest, it, it really doesn't. Now, uh, you know what? I was going to say now that I'm looking at this, maybe a little bit longer, but no, I, I'm still going to stick with two minutes or two hours and uh, 45 minutes. I think that's that's probably about how long this is going to go. Joe says now, if she was actually playing a cosplay character, then yeah, it makes sense. I get, uh, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got you, but she, I mean, she isn't, she isn't playing any actual cosplay character at all. Uh, She's just dressing differently, but kind of the same every week. This brings us to our final topic of the night here. I'm going to put the graphic up so that those that see the video can see this where it says, are you jealous, bro? And has a picture of Tony Khan hugging Claudio Castagnoli. Or Cesaro. The internet wrestling community has lost their shit 
over this interaction, over this hug that happened. Are you serious right now? This man, Tony Khan, has built something amazing over the last three years. He clearly is an affectionate person. He is clearly an emotional person. Because this is a running theme that we have seen from Tony Khan since day freaking one. I almost broke my own rule of saying the F word there. Almost. Joe, I think you definitely could be. Uh, Joe's kind of maybe alluding to that's entirely possible that he's slowly turning into another Jim Cornette's. <laughs> it's entirely possible. So Tony Khan is an affectionate person. I'm an affectionate person. I'm a hugger. Just like Bailey. Bailey was a hugger. I'm a hugger, bro. If I see my friends, I'm giving them a hug. And I'm going to make sure that they know I'm giving them a hug. I'm going to make sure that they know that I am a affectionately showing how much I care and how much they mean to me in that hug. That's what I see when I look at that picture. That's what I see. I see somebody who is genuinely happy, who is showing that to the person it, people are calling it cringeworthy. I don't see it as cringeworthy, people. Uh, Tony Khan is like Herb Abrams, but without the blow and actually knows what to do. Yes. Yes. If you guys don't know who Herb Abrams is, Google the name. Uh, you. Yeah, you'll 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 get to know. Um, or you could even type in uh, Herb Abrams Dark Side of the Ring. That that'll give you an idea as well. For all of you that are watching this back or listening to this, get a hold of me on my socials. Get a hold of me over at TB Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or get a hold of me on my own personal. Twitter account at K Carafel. And let me know what you think on this situation. Let me know what you think about this Tony Khan hugging situation that has been going on. I think that everyone is looking way too deep into this. And again, these people that are bitching and complaining and calling this cringeworthy and saying that's not very I, I i've seen that is not very professional okay in a business you know type of atmosphere maybe not you're not going to go into the boardroom and go to a big meeting with some clients and uh just start hugging people no that's not going to happen 
this is a totally different environment. And I think that Tony Khan is, is perfectly fine in what he is doing here. And I think that that is even something that, that could very well be missing even in some professional wrestling is maybe showing some humanity showing that there is a human side to the person, to the promoter, to the booker, to the owner, to whatever it is, they're human as well. So for all of those that are, that are shitting all over that picture and that situation that happened, I ask you again, are you jealous, bro? Are you jealous that you're not the one that's being able to Hug Claudio. What is it? What is it? Again, make sure that you are following me on the socials at TB Talk Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or on my personal K Carafel on Twitter. And make sure that you're doing everything that you can to follow us on all of the Love Wrestling pages as well. The easiest way for you to find that is just simply to go to lovewrestling.ca and up at the top, you are going to find all of the clickable links there to the Twitch page, the YouTube page, the TikTok, to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything that is out there, you will be able to find it at lovewrestling.ca. C-A. The final message here says, Tony comes off as genuine, and I don't think most wrestling fans can accept that because they're used to the boss being kind of a douche. <coughs> Vince, <coughs> LOL. No, Joe did not write um, Vince in there. I, I added that in just uh, for some context. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that fans just aren't used to this. This isn't something that uh, that they're used to. This isn't something that they have seen before. Because uh, any any other time, it's always been the the hard assed, hard nosed uh, owner of the company that you really never see the affectionate side come out. You never see that 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 thankfulness come out. Does it happen? It definitely does. Vince McMahon does show that. He shows that out in, in the gorilla position after a great matchup has happened and the competitors come back. And after hearing the crowd, the crowd's reaction to a matchup, if Vince McMahon thinks that that was well done, he will make sure that you know that he will, he will give you a high five. He will give you a hug. He will do those things. It just isn't publicized like this one has been, or like any of the other ones with Tony Khan has been. Tony Khan is just doing it publicly, not privately. And if you're not a fan of that, too bad. Get over yourself. You don't want to see somebody be a little affectionate. You don't want to see somebody hug another guy over it. The world doesn't revolve around you. You revolve around the world. I don't know how else to put that. It's something very menial and something very petty for people to be upset about. It really is. Remember, guys, 
The world's a scary place. Just take care of each other. Thank you.